Welcome to the Myths of Creation podcast. I'm your host, Xenia. Together, we will talk all things related to healing the imagination, multidimensional thinking, being a sovereign meaning maker in human design. Thank you so much for being here. Your imagination and creativity are so important. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited about this podcast. But before we begin, I just want to tell you about the music that you just heard. It came from my friend Kristen Sontag, who is a Reiki master and the creator of Aura Mists and Soundscapes I used to sell over at my brick and mortar. And I love Kristen's music. It's just right up my sonic alley. You can check out Kristen at Sunday Diamond NYC on Instagram, and from there you can see all the other offerings and projects and creative things that Kristen is up to. So thank you, Kristen, for allowing me to use this amazing music for the pod. So today we're going to get into the energetics of pop culture. This episode, like all my other episodes, is just really me speaking from the present moment, everything I've been processing. And we're going to talk a lot about pop culture, in particular, certain Netflix series that I've been thinking about, including, embarrassingly, the series Love is Blind, as well as the series that was put out, the miniseries CNN co-produced with Tom Hanks, um, called the, each one is called The Name of the Decade, so there's the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, highly recommend that. I don't recommend Love is Blind, but I do <laughs> reference it. There's also a documentary about Britney Spears we're going to talk about and this other documentary about two people who got famous for robbing other famous people in the early 2000s and how I feel like that is so symbolic of the early 2000s Wild West internet culture. I hope you enjoy this. You have the option, if you're listening on Spotify, to send messages back and feedback out. You can also DM me on Instagram on at Myths of Creation, or you can email me, xenia uh, at mythsofcreation.com, if you have any questions, comments, or anything you'd like to add. I'm always really down to hear what you are processing, so please enjoy, and here we go. Hi, everyone. How are we doing? How are you feeling? As I'm recording this, it is still eclipse season, as some astrologers consider the entirety of Scorpio season to be eclipse season. We're coming off the heels of a lunar eclipse in Taurus, which happened on November 8th on the same day as Election Day here in the United States. And I feel like so many people that I know are going through a period of change that feels almost like like time feels wobbly like things are accelerated and the body is needing a lot of extra support and catching up three people I spoke to on the same day on or around the eclipse told me they got colds which I consider to be an energetic clearing of sorts and I got really nauseous on the 11-11 day portal, which when I get really nauseous out of nowhere and it's nothing that I ate or nothing that I'm doing in particular, it's usually, and it clears quickly, I tend to associate that with a sort of energetic overwhelm. So I'm curious how you're doing. I'd love to hear from you. 
So recently I shared what I called my 1111 downloads and I'm really developing a different understanding of social media. I say that because I feel like I went through a period of really just sharing whatever I felt like, which felt really good, but also at times I realized I was kind of without question, putting all this labor into this space, not asking myself, why am I doing this? (laughs) I love to share, obviously. I love to hear how other people are doing and what's resonating with them. But I didn't know like this sort of bigger purpose as to why why this platform and why at this pace and, and why this particular content. It was more like natural, you know, a natural consequence of just existing would be the things I would share. And I really love that. I, you know, in a dream world, actually everything I create and share in the world is just a natural consequence of my existing and it somehow is in service to somebody else out there, just like what they create is naturally in service to me and to others. But, you know, I started really thinking about what it is I'm sharing and why. And it's interesting, I went through a period of trying to create this logical structure around my content mostly just as an experiment and something around, you know, commitment and choice and also to get myself to understand how all the things I share are connected. And again, I think I swung the pendulum too far as I think is, you know, that's part of the process of balancing is kind of swinging a pendulum one way and seeing the pendulum go the other way and and finding the center And I realized that it is so important for me to have free flow in everything I share. But it is also really important for me to ask myself how to create structure that supports my free flow and also what my purpose is, like what the big purpose is of why I'm sharing what I'm sharing. And so I decided after not having done this podcast for a while that it was time to come on here and talk about a lot of the things I've been processing And one of the things that I think about really, really often is pop culture. I think a lot about pop culture and I think a lot about how to read pop culture like a historical text. You know, if you took a history class in high school, you might have had to do something. Actually, I don't know if everyone had to do this, but we had this thing called a document-based question, which is where... We were asked a question about something in history and we had to look at different documents and sort of create an answer or a story or a possibility or a narrative based on these quote-unquote documents which were considered some form of evidence. And, you know, that's hyper-rational. This is a little bit old paradigm way of getting information. I say that because, you know, some cultures don't document everything (laughs) because they, they feel a connection to... Akashic records or time-space reality that they believe goes beyond needing to have everything in the written word in order to be retrieved again, and that's maybe a conversation for another day. But going along with what I'm saying is, you know, in high school when we had to do these document-based questions, we looked at, you know, newspapers from the 1800s, letters, um, you know, whatever, and I think it's just the fact that that stuff happened a long time ago that causes us to see it as documentation of a time period, as this artifact of a time period. There's something about human beings where they don't see that they're also participating in a culture that will one day be looked at by some other future, you know, person as sort of foreign. Potentially it will feel 
they will feel a distance to it. Maybe it will even, if they're in their linear mind, feel outdated or disconnected or, you know, in some way they'll be able to, to be aware of that cultural bubble because they're not inside of it. They're in the future. Just the way when we're in other cultures, we get outside of our cultural bubble and we see we're all of a sudden more aware of the culture we swim in on the day to day because we're seeing contrast or difference. In any case, I look at everything that I take in, whether it's music or media, but especially, especially television, because um, to be honest, I don't watch much, much film these days, but especially television as a sort of cultural artifact. And I've been noticing for a while, starting with some of the media that was coming out about Britney Spears, I recently watched this series that was really not good and I don't recommend it about this, um, these two people who were known for um, burglarizing celebrities for a while in the early 2000s when sort of the age of being an influencer or being famous for famous for being famous started being a thing. Um, which was like the early internet trying to figure out what to do with itself, you know? And there's also a series I really love that I believe is on Netflix and it's just all about, um, it will say that it's all about, you know, the history of certain decades. I'll have to find the exact name for it for you and drop it in the show notes. But what I love about these particular things that I am naming, even the series that weren't so good and I don't recommend, was that there's suddenly this framing about how we tell the story of someone's life, say for example, Britney Spears, that no longer makes it about there being something good or evil about that specific person or cast them in as this one-dimensional character in their own story, but instead ask questions about how the culture that we all participate in, that we still participate in, is creating the circumstances of that person's life. And it takes away the feeling that there's disconnection in how we relate to each other, that somehow what some celebrity you know, participates in or experiences is absolutely separate from your own actions. At the very least, we're, you know, being voyeurs and watching their lives. And in that way, we are changing their experience by deciding to participate in that or not. But, you know, there's a sp particularly around very young entertainers there has been a lot of documentaries and work out there about how dehumanizing and callous and unsympathetic and um yeah i think that exploitative and commodifying that we have been, that our culture is towards people, where it becomes this really, really interesting dynamic where the mob mentality or the group think for so long has wanted to lift people up and project sort of 
our own success fantasies onto other people and live vicariously through them and simultaneously um, is at odds with our own ability to integrate our shadow and our light or our gifts and our feeling that we don't deserve you know to to feel safe and and feel blessed and abundant and healthy and there's this almost like self-hatred that's projected onto these same people that we look up to this almost suspicion of people that we are that we put on a pedestal and it is their pedestaling that makes us suspicious of them even though it is a collective decision to pedestal this person now as I'm saying this, I know I need to back up because it's not like this all happens in a political <laughs> vacuum. There are huge systems, you know, of powerful people that I probably don't know any of personally who are building the careers of these people, these, um, you know, all the, the Disney stars that turn into pop artists and you know, there's a very intentional exploitation there and I'm not I don't think we should ignore that that sort of system of media that media structure that was there um, uh, before we even started participating in any of this but then but then yeah well you know the the media structures the entertainment industry bases everything on our participation without our participation it is really powerless and so I think we are all able to hold all those things at once, I think. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I think that, you know, I was watching the series Love is Blind on Netflix. I don't recommend it, but I also think it's important to be, um, I don't know, honest and relaxed about the things that we do and the way we spend our time. I'm pretty at odds with this, um, the amount of time I spent watching that show. However, I will say there's something really exciting about it. Um, for those of you who've seen it or not seen it, it's about, it's a pretty silly setup. It's a show about people who are really wanting to find partnership and they meet each other in circumstances where they're unable to see each other vi uh, visually, but they can only talk to each other through a wall and so they have to get to know each other without seeing each other's physical appearance or touching each other and so in the show they have only about I think two weeks to make a proposal and then once they if they find someone they want to propose to then they go on to court that person for about four weeks and then they get married on show or decide to get to the altar and say no on the show long story long but in any case, what I loved about this, and you know, if you're someone who actually wants to watch this, I would pause this. Maybe this is a spoiler, but I don't think it's, <laughs> I doubt that either you've already seen it or you're not interested. That's my feeling with this. But what I love about the show is that it was so aware of itself. There were moments in the show where the editors and producers made decisions about to what to leave in and what to take out. And they hadn't done that before until this season. There was this awareness of this is a show and it is edited and it is cut. And these people's lives are then impacted by watching themselves 
Uh, you know, they're interviewed about having to watch themselves say and do certain things. And I started to realize that I was really uncomfortable with my participation in the exploitation of other people's humanity for my entertainment. Because, of course, if you've ever been interviewed or, you know, <laughs> I don't know, had your words taken out of context, we can do a lot of things to change a narrative with editing. It's, you know, also how we tell stories. Maybe we leave certain things out. And it's very human to be biased uh, in, and have subjective experiences. I would actually say that is part of the human experience is to, to be subjective, to, to not have the awareness of all the perspectives all the time. And I feel that there was, I just got this feeling while I was watching it that maybe 10 years from now, this will not be cool. It will not be okay to kind of exploit people in order to, I don't know, be entertained. At the same time, what I really do love about watching these shows is noticing how friends and family interact uh, and react to them so different than me, so differently get really different reads on people's behavior, really different likes or dislikes with people. And I find that really fascinating that I feel that you can learn a lot about your own biases or other people's perspectives just by sitting and sharing your reactions to these shows with them. Um, but the bigger thing I wanted to share is really just about the self-awareness that's coming into our media, the media about the media, the media about what we leave in and what we take out. And I think it's incredibly important because to me, it is a sign of multidimensional evolution. It is a sign that we are walking towards a way of thinking that allows us to see multiple layers of something, right? So the human layer is to watch it and get immersed in the narrative and then the sort of objective observer sort of more distance higher level layer is being aware that this is something that's being designed to sell to get clicks to get likes to cause controversy to you know that there's an agenda behind the media that you're watching not even including the fact that it has taken then the time and attention that you you would have used to perhaps do something else, which leads me to my next question or my next kind of big thought lately around media and culture. And I think that, I mean, I think it's really impossible to ignore how passive we are encouraged to be in our current collective construction of reality and I say that with a lot of compassion because basically for me personally it has felt many times that just to take care of yourself clean your house you know maybe you do a meditation maybe you have a phone call with a friend and then you go to work and make sure you've taken care of all this like kind of drudgery style paperwork or something like that um with your own bills and taxes and blah, blah, blah. But it can feel like so much is required for you to just stay above water, for you to exist in the system we live in. And so of course, it is sort of this feeling that we go from hyperactive kind of trauma response to the way our lives are set up. And that's like, 
workaholism and, you know, being addicted to taking actions at all times as a way of coping with the fear of not being able to survive. And then there's the reverse of that, sort of the freeze response of the trauma responses, which is to then be underactive, um, be frozen in a sense, and to, you know, kind of recuperate from the overactivity with a sort of passive engagement with things, whether that's watching Netflix or, you know, zoning out in some other way. And I've done both of these cycles many, many times. There's something I'm deeply familiar with. And in a lot of ways, I am grateful because I, I think it helps me understand people in a way that if I didn't have those experiences would be hard for me to really I don't know, connect with, because in a lot of ways, when I do those things, it's not like I believe they make sense or I'm even choosing them. So for someone who doesn't live or has never experienced this sort of hyperactivity as a response to feeling stress, followed by underactivity as a response to feeling stress, it's hard to empathize because it doesn't make sense. It, it seems like an odd choice. But I know what it feels like to feel like this is not a choice at all. And the more I sit with this, the more I understand that the passive nature that is encouraged through one, a culture that gives status to people who leave aspects of themselves at the door in order to perform really well in situations that have societally been labeled as respectable or desired because of the status or the money they make or etc. Um, you know, that, that sort of um, worship of material wealth and status in combination with this like endless supply of toys to use to dissociate from the present and also from our bodies and our hearts creates a situation where you need like an extreme amount of willpower or an extreme amount of spiritual strength or an extreme amount of privilege in some cases. Um, maybe some combination of the three. You know, I'm probably missing some other options, but just in order to, in order to live outside of that framework to create something else for yourself, you know? And I think that at the end of the day, what I have noticed about myself is that I think little children for the most part are incredibly natural at being very present and being very honest and being in their hearts, which are trusting and I think that even throwing a tantrum is a sign of trust because it means that you trust other people to receive you as you are trusting and then I feel that you know lately I've been noticing how in certain groups of people or around certain people I feel very comfortable to rest in my heart space and what I mean by that is to not constantly be assessing with my mind, what the other one is thinking or might be thinking, I'm trusting that they will communicate to me 
how they're feeling and what they want if they need to. And I am just letting myself fully express from this place in my heart that is connective and non-analytical and deeply present. And that even, and that in other places and other situations and with other people, that doesn't feel so welcome or it feels odd or it feels uncomfortable. But I also notice even with people that I really feel comfortable with, almost immediately after hanging up the phone or whatever, doing the Zoom call, I get this fear pendulum swing of going, was that okay? I almost know based on how fearful I <laughs> feel after something, how, how open I was. It's almost like telling me you were really like naked and vulnerable and in your heart space in that conversation. That is why you're feeling so nervous that maybe you did something that was going to make the other person uncomfortable. And that is telling to me because I think that our culture, you know, the whole notion of like being cool or being intelligent has a lot to do with being very suspicious and critical of behaviors that are associated with or ways of being that are associated with someone with an open heart. Actually, a lot of open-hearted behavior, even in pop culture, um, say like films from being a teenager, portrays people who are in their hearts as simple and naive and childish. And they really take that that kind of wisdom of the heart that children inhabit and they shame and create a shaming and demoralizing narrative around that as being sort of not knowing better, not, not really knowing what's going on, not being culturally literate yet. Um, like you think about, you know, people in an office who are being too naive in a space and other people don't respect them. But when you look at this word naive, what it really, the behavior they're really showing is there's like a friendliness and a lack of guardedness and, and, a, and a, um, a lack of awareness that there's always a sort of power game at play. And this is just my own read on the things that I watch and take in. I have absolutely no, you know, credentials in media studies, but you'll notice with me and that I have a lot of respect for people who study things very seriously, but I would consider academia also a culture that's really worth looking at um, with its own unconscious beliefs and its own conscious or unconscious agendas. Um, and that's maybe a conversation for another day, but... I wanted to share this in case there are those of you who have these ambivalent relationships with the artifacts of culture that are pop, Netflix series, etc. And, you know, how, how you relate to anything that I've shared, how you feel. I'd really love to hear your thoughts because... I feel like there is a big turning point right now, a big cultural collective consciousness, because those are two, you know, one and the same for me. There's a shift happening around how we understand ourselves and the world around us that is moving away from this sort of hyper 
dogmatic niche cultural trend way of seeing things and instead inviting really particular individual responses into a space and allowing them to coexist and allowing them to change and allowing people to be, you know, multidimensional and complex. And I'm curious, I'm really curious what you've been processing with the eclipse, how you're feeling, how you're doing, what you feel about the media you're taking in. And that's all I'll say for now. But I do want to thank you for listening and I'll see you soon. Bye. Hey everyone, so that's the show for today. If you want to catch up with me, you can subscribe to my newsletter. You can go to Instagram at Myths of Creation. And that's plural, M-Y-T-H-S of Creation. There you will see my newsletter where you can read. I share, my newsletters are really pretty good, I gotta say. You you should get on there. I I won't spam you. Also, you can book one-on-one session with me. My books are open for human design readings as well as my own modality, Sacred Heart to Heart. Check those out on my website. That's all for now. Sending you so much gratitude for your listening and your thoughts. This is a co-creative thing. Your listening changes the fabric of what I have shared. Without you, this would not be the same. So thank you so much and goodbye.